Welcome to the Origins Podcast and the Origins Project Foundation. I'm your host here, Lawrence Krauss, and I want to introduce what may be a new continuing series, which is uh, really um, goes back to one of our first guests and one of our most popular podcasts with none other than, than Noam Chomsky. I asked Noam if we could periodically update our discussion by talking about current events. So here you go, current events with Noam Chomsky. My idea of a society that works is you have education, open questioning, open discussion, and decide together how to do things to benefit everyone. You can't have open discussion with censorship. Now, I've known from, from, from my days as, as, a, as a student in, in one of your classes that Yes, there's much effect. There's effective, subtle censorship, and there has been for a long time. You know, uh, you you could you were in a, didn't appear in the New York Times for a long time. I mean, so there are ways of censoring out ideas you don't like. But of concern to me is the overt censorship that's now happening in this country, mostly driven by the left. Um, it was overt before, but nobody paid attention. I yeah. could give you plenty of cases from my own experience. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But it's just books destroyed, uh, all sorts of things. It's, Since it was directed against the left, nobody cared. It, it, but now that... Now it's picking picked up by sectors of, of the left. It's wrong in principle. It's tactically idiotic. It's a gift to the far right, and it's wrong in principle. And it's harming, it's harming discussion, it is. It, it's, it's not only harming discussion, it's stifling it because of fear in, a, in the places where, in, in the one place that you and I know best, which is academia, well, I mean, you know everything, but, but I know best is academia. Uh, I, I wrote a piece, uh, Noam, on which I, because I was concerned about the, what I call the ideological corruption of science, which is basically where people can't talk about, can't ask questions, and if they do and they're politically incorrect, they get removed. I had I got letters from faculty around the country, but not a huge number, but a number you sort of agreeing and saying, "Gee, I w- wish I could talk about it." That's that's acceptable. But I got five different letter emails from faculty who wrote me under pseudonyms because they were so afraid that if if the university found out that they agreed with what I was saying, that they would be removed. That's that. Where does that sound like? Does that sound like U.S.? I mean, I just it's well, terrifying. I, I could amplify that. Okay. When I come out with statements like that, I get a lot of letters from people who are afraid to identify themselves, describing things that happened in their own college, where they have to walk on eggshells, they're afraid of saying this, uh, super sensitivity, uh, did I use the wrong pronoun here, yeah. uh, did I say something I wasn't allowed to say, you know, uh, it's wrong in principle and suicidal, it's not going to help anybody. Well, it's, I'm worried it's not, I mean, in a selfish, look, in an objective way, it's not helping anyone, but I'm worried in a, in a somewhat selfish way, I guess, in the sense that the progress, the United States has been aided by many things, but more or less, one of the things that I, I, I do believe that has been incredibly important in the United States is that for one reason or another, it was able to bring the best young people from around the world to its educational systems many of whom, some of whom went back to their own countries, but many of whom came here and, and produced the, the wealth and quality of life and many other things that we have as a nation here. Uh, the, that depends on, the, on, 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 on promoting the best, on open inquiry, and um, 
and 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 in and in my opinion, in a meritocracy in universities, I am worried that this that this stifling of scholarship. Maybe it won't hurt the world, but it's gonna it's gonna it, it, it ultimately it the effect will be down the road, of 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 removing the United States as a as a sort of the the leader of uh, in research in all areas of of science and other areas of academic study. What do you think? I think that's true, but that's not the part that bothers me the most. Some other countries, the leader in science. Yeah, so it'll be all right. It'll be done somewhere else. I agree with you there. I, I think it's it does do that. I and mean, we can see it right now. I take uh, MIT, where I spent most of my life. You walk down the halls, you think you're in Asia. Yeah. Students are Chinese, South Koreans. So yeah. We block them. Yeah, of course, you stop science. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Yeah. That's what uh, the right wing wants to do. Okay. And stopping science means stopping the economy. That's where the high-tech economy comes from as well. You want it to be developed in China? Okay, keep them out. But but more than that, though, when you point out that, that Europe is more racist than us, so there's, as I say, I'm not... Uh, we accept that the United States history is in many ways based in racism, but to argue that the National Institutes of Health is racist, which is what the line that Francis Collins buys into because of this systemic racist mythology, I would say, to argue that is to is to um, is to accept you know a reality which doesn't exist, and then and then. Um, once you do that, as I've talked to you about before, we've talked about religion. My problem with religion isn't what people believe. It's what they is their actions. When they believe myths, their actions tend to be to be harmful. Uh, like if you stop stem cell mm -hmm. research, you're just killing people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stopping stem cell research is killing people. But but arguing that you have to that that an institution with not i mean i guess i'd like to think of evidence and so do you let's look at evidence-based uh, uh, situations and as far and maybe and you've been an academic longer than me uh, and maybe i'm deluded but it seems to me that universities are on the whole the least racist least sexist places potentially in the country but not only, not but, only that but the ones that are the most free and democratic like it have been, have East. been. Well, I think it's still largely true. Even you take a well-functioning faculty department, it's about as close to workers' control as you get anywhere. If it's well-functioning, yeah. But but the trouble is that the, that that as you and I know, most academics exist on the 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 the, the crumbs that are handed out by an administration, and um, and when the administration is willing to fire people. For uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, a I was just reading about this professor in Berea College in Kentucky, who was a psychologist and apparently a well-known, reasonably well-established psychologist. He wanted to do a, a survey, you know, a, a, a survey, which means he had to go to the human, you know, you have to get permission, you know, when you're doing anything related to people. He went through all those hoops. It was a sur survey on on hostile work environments, and he. And it was a detailed survey of students and, and faculty, and, and, and they produced the results, statistics, used all the social science statistics. Um, and, but in the survey were examples, some of which had been actually happened at the university. 
And apparently that infuriated enough people, students and otherwise, with some of the ridiculous examples of the hostile work environment, that they that there was an outcry and the university removed this tenure professor and the requirement of the of tenure at the time, the only way you could remove a tenure professor besides flagrant whatever was incompetence. And the university used both of those things to remove someone. Yeah. Uh, that those things concern me in terms of in terms of the uh, academic freedom they and democracy. Have, they should be concerning us all the way back. Uh, how many Marxist economists are there in the economics department? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's always been true. Now it's getting true for another sector of the population. It was wrong then. It's wrong now. Well, well, okay, I agree. Is there anything we can do? I mean, since the media and government and industry and university leaderships are buying in are, are buying into that uh, that censorship issue and 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 what I critical race theory for example wholeheartedly is there anything I mean obviously you and I both agree I think it's the old statement that if the only tool you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail we're both educators we both believe ultimately education is is the only hope to counter these things you but, shouldn't subject yourself to it if you do what you think is right, if everybody screams at you, too bad. If you lose your job, it's unfortunate. Uh, try to pick it up somewhere else. But it's you should hard. not subordinate yourself to this. I, I agree. It's just hard to get people to do that. And it, 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 it is. You and, know very well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I do. And and it's uh, if you do it, yeah, it's really hard. And but that's I, uh, no, that's always been true. But way is there any way the, we can? But again, one would think that, you know, you, I, I think I, I again learned from you that governments and, and it's the same for academia and industry, they don't lead, they follow. And so if there's a public outcry at some level, they're going to flip on, on a coin, right? They're going to just do whatever ever is necessary. So is there a, is there, a, what's the most effective way to try and put pressure on the people who are, who are, yeah. The way to change. It's the first thing is to change, get people to change their minds. Yeah. If they do, you get public pressure, then you get response to it. There's there's really no other way. We don't have guns. We don't have force. We wouldn't want them if we had them. The only force that we have is getting people to try to think things through for themselves. And I guess getting people who are brave enough to try and speak things, even when they're not politically correct, long enough. How long? Finally, let's, you... let's go back to classical Greece. Who drank the hemlock? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a symbol. The guy who was corrupting the youth of Athens, Athens by asking too many questions. We don't yeah. want that kind of thing. Yeah, we don't want that kind of thing. And I guess you saw in your struggles in Vietnam, ultimately, I guess the hope, if we're going to end on a positive note, is that, that to me, that always gives me an example that you speak out you speak out politically incorrect. You deal with the. Some people have to be willing to deal with the, the harsh, response, the censorship that you experience, the 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 the, the the pushing away from the, uh, uh, from from many forums, all of that. But ultimately, people have to be willing to do that if change is going to happen. And it and if Vietnam was any any example, it can happen. I guess. Not just Vietnam as an example, but everything else is too. Civil rights, women's rights, environment, 
pick what you like, abolitionism, you know, always against strong, often very violent repression, labor rights, name it. I mean, that's the way the world works, okay?